Hi, good morning. Hey. Uh, so I'm Jennifer Gerhardt. I write under the name J.L. Gerhardt. Uh, I'm an author and a Bible teacher, and this is my husband, Justin. Hey, Justin. Hey. Uh, so can you guys hear me? No? You sound so, like... I sound very authoritative. Amplified. Right? If we can't get this up, I can switch to this one. Is that... Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my name is Justin uh, Gerhardt. I... Uh, what, what do I, I have? He's a, the creator of the podcast, Holy Ghost Stories, if yes. you haven't heard it. Uh, it's this like, it's like listening to a movie about the Old Testament. So there yeah. you go. So that's what I do for a living. And we're excited to be here. We on are so excited to be with you for the next like three days. Um, if you see us walking around and you want to stop us, you want to talk to us, you want to ask us a question about something, we would love to talk to you. Uh, there is absolutely nothing on earth I love more than talking to somebody about God. Um, and so if you have questions about God, if you're wondering about God, uh, you have a question about your relationship with God, stop me and I will stop whatever I'm doing and spend the next however long you want me to spend with you. Good. All right. So we're going to start this morning and we're going to tell you a story and I want it to be an invitation to you to live a different kind of life. So as we tell this story, think about that. This is an invitation to live a different kind of life. So Jennifer and I... Uh, when we graduated college, we made sure to grab an extra like $5,000 of student loans our last semester, and we took that money, and then we irresponsibly spent it I on, don't even know if it's legal. On a, <laughs> we spent it on a backpacking trip to Europe uh, that we took for a little over a month right after we graduated. And uh, so we, we went, and the first place we landed, we'd, we'd We'd never been to most of Europe before. It was your first time over yeah. there. Anyway, so we land in London, and we love the city. We're having a great time. But it is, uh, surprisingly to us, unseasonably chilly, and, uh, and especially at night, which is fine. We do most of our wandering during the day. But this one night, we I mean, are... we only have a backpack. We each have two outfits, and we have to be in Europe all the way through August. So we're cold. That's, yeah, that's all we have. The nature of backpacking is that you don't have a giant wardrobe that you can pull from. And so we're out one night uh, in our like windbreakers. windbreakers, which is our like heavy coat and flip flops, which are our big shoes. And we're, we're, we're out in the city and the sun is down. It starts to get chilly. And the two of us like we're just wanting something familiar. We're excited yeah. to be in a new place, but I don't know if you've ever been abroad, but sometimes your first couple times abroad, it hits you that you just want something that you know. It's all so new and unfamiliar. You want something that you know. So we see, we're like, man, we, we just want like a snack or something. And it some has to be to... cheap. London is like super expensive. So expensive. And so we're like, man, we want to spend like one pound on a great familiar snack. And then like a shining beacon of divine providence the golden arches of McDonald's appear in our side view. And so like the good Americans that we were, we gravitated to it like a moth to the flame, walked uh, across the street in our flip-flops. And what and did we got, get? Not french fries. Not no. something that would make sense, like a hot chocolate. What yeah, did we get? I don't know. We were just in the mood. We got, a, we got ice cream. We got two soft-serve ice creams, and we, we were so happy to have these ice They tasted just like... Soft serve ice cream is supposed to taste, you know, and, and then we ran back out and then it started raining 
And so we, we're going to eat them outside the McDonald's, but now we're running, and we see this bus shelter across the street. We dart into the bus shelter, and we huddle under the bus shelter, in, in, you know, shivering, licking our ice cream cones. And this woman runs under. She's catching the bus. She runs under the bus shelter, and she stops and looks up at us. She, like, puts her umbrella away, looks that up at us, and says, you two look positively mad. <laughs> and that moment has been a moment that has stuck with us for a long time. Yeah. So fast forward about 20 years. Can I have this one? Oh, yes, please. Thank you. Step into my so fast forward about 20 years, and Justin and I are moving into a brand new house. Um, it's beautiful. We've like been part of building it. We picked how we wanted it to look. Like the floors are exactly the floors I wanted. All that kind of stuff that you get excited about when you're 38 years old. Um, it had these big windows that faced a park, and it was beautiful, and we loved it. Um, and there was a blank wall in our kitchen, and I had been thinking for months about what exactly I wanted to go on this blank wall. And so I called a guy in Hong Kong. Uh, that's real. So I was like, I need, I need somebody. So I, I found a neon sign maker in China. And I was like, hey, I have this sign I want. And, and he and I consulted back and forth, and he ended up making for us make it for us, and he sent it, and I opened it up, and I'm guessing that maybe, because you just heard the story, you might know what the neon sign said. It said positively mad. Yeah, so we open it up, it says positively mad, I love it. We hang it in our kitchen, it's this big neon pink, um, and it's, the minute we opened it, and the minute we hung it and turned it on, I loved it, I loved it kind of an unconventional choice, but a giant, because it was this big, a giant neon sign in your kitchen. Um, but in addition to loving it, there was just something about it, like from the first time I saw it, that got under my skin. Like it just felt itchy. Now we explained the sign to our daughters, right? We told them, hey, Positively Mad for us is more than just this fun story in London. For us, Positively Mad is the way that God calls you to live, that God's calling you out into this adventure and that you're supposed to be different than everybody else and people are going to look at you and they're going to be like, those Gerhards, they are weird and strange and I don't understand the choices they make. And we were like, that's it, that's what you want, right? And so we, we said, this is our family value and when people would come over, we would tell them the story of the ice cream. But when the people left and when the kids went to bed, I would just look at the sign and I would wonder. I find myself staring at the sign a lot. Um, I would just look at it at night. I, I had a lot of questions about the sign. In the end, I decided, okay, the reason you feel uncomfortable with the sign is because it's really bright. Your whole house is like neon pink. This is the problem. And so I bought a dimmer off Amazon, and the dimmer does not work. Like, nothing happens. The sign just stays so bright. We go for a walk one day behind our house, and we find these teenagers, like, huddled around the back of our house, like, on the outside of the fence, and they're pointing at the neon. And all I overhear is somebody go, that's so dope. And, of course, as a 38-year-old woman, I feel, like, so proud, right? I'm like, yes, my house is dope. Um, but then also, I'm keenly aware that my house is now a hot pink lantern, uh, and that everyone who walks by cannot help but see this giant neon sign and I say to Justin, I think, I say, I think the neon is getting to me. And he says, oh, do you think it's still too bright? And I mean, immediately, I'm like, yes, of course it's too bright. Uh, but that is not what I say to him. I say, it's not that. 
It's the message. I realized I'm feeling very not positively mad. And I look at him, and he nods, and he says, same. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> we, the, the positively mad sign is not the reason I quit my job a couple weeks later and we posted our home on Airbnb and sold our cars and moved to England for a few months um, and then wandered to Croatia and South Africa and Northern Ireland and Egypt and a handful of other places with our two middle school aged daughters over the past, over the next couple of years. Um, there were a lot of reasons for that sudden madness, but that neon sign was one of them. Um, it felt like Everything that we'd said to our daughters about this is the kind of life we should, we should be living, this is the kind of adventure that God calls you on, it just felt like our life was so normal and so predictable and would make sense even without God. And we just felt like our life was a little, much, a little too much like our neighbors' lives. And it was that message, the those two glowing words reminding us and taunting us and, and eventually inviting us and calling us. We felt like that message was God himself infecting us with a holy dissatisfaction, a desire to encounter him in uh, the unconventional scenarios that he is famous for inventing, an ambition that he was growing in us to embark upon an adventure with God. The, the ancient word for this, we began to realize, was pilgrimage. And so we set out on a pilgrimage. And we amassed this series of moments over the course of the next couple of years. This is uh, what has been now the last couple of years for us. And I'm just going to share a couple of those vignettes with you because they were such a joy uh, an unpredictable joy to me and to us. So moments that stick out to me, bumping along in the back of a pickup truck with our daughters through the Sinai wilderness at the invitation of a man named Saleh, who speaks kind of good English with a thick Arabic accent. He was the leader of the Bedouin camp that we were staying in at the time and had invited us to see the farm that he was building for his family. Um, we'd prayed and then agreed and then gotten in some dude's pickup truck who said he was going to take us to Saleh. Ten minutes later, we pulled off the main road and I accidentally said out loud in front of my daughters to my wife, this looks like a good place to dump a body because it really was. And then five minutes after that, we found ourselves pulling up to a plot of land with fledgling fruit trees and grapevines and a woman in a hijab making us tea from water that she'd boiled in the sand next to the blanket she'd set out for us with a plate full of apricots and plums picked from the trees of her proud husband's new farm. And then I found myself standing with my kids behind the welcome table at a church in Cape Town greeting South African college students and towering Cape Dutch men. Welcome to church, we would say, faithfully fulfilling our duty as volunteers. It was our third Sunday there. Sweating 
during a prayer service in Derry, Northern Ireland, when the man up front looks out at my daughter and says, Eve, the Lord has given me a word for you. Smiling out at the group of fathers and mothers in Zagreb, Croatia, who've come to a workshop, they have asked us to host about parenting and seeing the story God is writing within your family. There was being prayed over by a small church on the coast of England. We had attended for all of two months. They knew it was our last Sunday, and they wanted to bless us on our journey. Later, we would shed tears as we said goodbye to our new dear friends, friends that we, by the way, will be staying with a few weeks from now. There was meeting up in dinner, uh, for dinner in Athens with people we had met 2,000 miles away from there several months before, and then there was meeting up for the weekend in Denver with people we'd met 10,000 miles away from there several months before, standing in the ruins of a French castle in the Alps, watching my little sister get married as the setting sun scattered gold across the ancient stones we were able to go because we were in the area tearing up as I thanked God for the first time my divorced parents had been willing to be together in years. There was walking through Rome with my family, stumbling upon the exact place my wife and I had 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 one of the most magical evenings of our life 20 years before on that backpacking trip. Starting our our, our, our ascent up Mount Sinai at 2 o'clock in the morning, robed in darkness, dodging camels on our way up, and summiting three hours later just at sunrise, breathing deep as I stood in the place that Moses met God three and a half thousand years ago, smiling as a stray cat befriended my daughter on the top of a Middle Eastern mountain. These were the moments that we found God leading us into once we decided to be less normal. I said at the beginning of this, um, this is an invitation to a different kind of life. These stories, what we want to share with you. That sign, that positively mad sign, it it was an invitation for us. Uh, It was the voice of God calling us onto an adventure and an encounter with him. We listened when he called, and every day since has been better. The point of the story isn't like we did cool stuff right? Like God called us to do cool stuff as opposed to the boring stuff we were doing before. That's not it at all. God called us to a place of trust, a place where our our life made no sense to anybody else or to us, where we couldn't add up all the numbers. We didn't know how things were going to work out. We just had to depend on him. And the minute we said yes to that, every day since has been better. This moment here in chapel I want it to be a positively mad sign for you. I want it to be an invitation. And it's not, please hear me, especially adults in the room, this is not an invitation for you to quit college and wander the globe, right? The invitation is to follow God where he leads because where he leads is always good. So good. It's better than you would ever dream. You don't want to miss what God has for you. So listen to the sign. Listen to your friends who are praying for you and bugging you. Listen to your teachers when they encourage you and offer some direction or hope. Listen to your parents 
and other people in your life. But also, listen to the sunset. Listen to the cranes flying in formation on their migration. Listen to the cells multiplying on the slide in your chemistry class. God is speaking through all of it. He's calling you. He's drawing you close for something that he has for you. And then listen to the word of God, because what is God saying? He's saying, follow me. He's saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's saying, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Another translation puts it this way, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. That has been our experience with God. And it can be yours too. You want to pray? Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Can we pray real quick? Father in heaven, we pray that you would lead us into fullness of life and sometimes ridiculous adventures that are positively mad. Some of us can pray that prayer wholeheartedly because we know and trust you. Others of us, you couldn't pay us to pray that prayer because we don't know you and we don't trust you. But Father, I pray today that wherever every person in this room finds themselves, that you would lead them one step closer to you into the delight and surprise of your kingdom. Out of predictable despair that is the, 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 so much of the culture in which we find ourselves and into unexpected delight and joy and enchantment. Father, I pray for every student in here as they right now look ahead and begin architecting their lives. I pray that they would have an eye on you and on the, the neon sign of your invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.